0: Coming up on the KetoCam podcast, we welcome thyroid expert, Dr. Amy Horneman.
1: I said this the other day to someone, go into PubMed, go to Google Scholar, type in keto and any disease that you want to. Go ahead and type in keto and obesity, keto and diabetes, keto and insulin resistance, keto and Alzheimer's. Go ahead, type it in and see what comes up because I know I have at least 100 studies saved right now that all show benefit. And I have never seen another way of eating that has that much research behind it beneficial research showing positive changes in human physiology because of this particular way of eating. Think of the power of your food choices that that actually makes it into PubMed as a study, not a drug study. Actually we're saying this way of eating and what you put into your body can change this disease state.
0: I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper Benazzati here from Benazzati.com. I am excited to talk all about thyroid health today. There's a big concern out there for those who are doing keto and fasting. They have this misconception that doing keto and fasting will actually make your thyroid condition worse. We are going to debunk many myths with a leader in thyroid research, Dr. Amy Horniman. You're going to hear about her pain-to-purpose story of preparing for a figure competition but gaining so much weight as her health was in decline, how she made an appointment with her doctor and they diagnosed her with hypothyroidism and the solutions were not to her favor and what she did to go outside the conventional scope of things. We also discussed the best lab markers for thyroid health. Why TSH is not the only thing to look at, and it's actually the least important thing to look at. We want to look at other markers. So we talk about that, what you should request from your doctor, and why, yes, it's important to get the lab values, but you're more than just a lab value. We talk about the connection between insulin resistance and thyroid issues. She has a great quote. She said, The problem is not your thyroid disease or your insufferable symptoms, but rather the treatment you received from a broken healthcare system. We're going to discuss why she loves berberin for regulating blood sugar control, why you should focus on what you can control, the role of heavy metals like mercury, lead, and others on thyroid health, why the thyroid is the master gland and the canary in the coal mine. And how it takes 10 to 20 years before conventional medicine will diagnose you with a thyroid issue. So this is all about the thyroid. You're going to love it. I can't wait to share Amy with you shortly. Before I bring her on, I want to say thank you for pressing play today. Hope you're getting value out of all of our episodes. And if you are, please consider leaving the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Hit pause right now, scroll down on your phone, and leave an honest rating and review. It really does help the show grow a few times per year me and the keto camp team launch a 7-day keto challenge it's free we bring on different speakers the last one we did was a complete hit and we officially have the dates for the next one and our confirmed speakers so i'm going to announce that right now on today's show you ready so the next keto kickstart challenge is going to take place April 10th, Monday, April 10th, and it's going to run all the way until April 17th, the following Monday. Seven days in a row, seven sessions. Each session is about two hours each. Here are the confirmed speakers. Are you ready for this? Our first confirmed speaker is Dr. Jason Fung, the legend, the father of fasting. (laughs) medical doctor who has written great books like The Obesity Code, The Cancer Code, The PCOS Plan. He's a New York Times bestselling author. I don't really have to give his bio. You know who he is. He's a legend and he is a confirmed speaker for our challenge. We also have Dr. Ken Berry, medical doctor, the Mr. Proper Human Diet himself. He is a confirmed speaker as well. And then we have Dr. Annette Baz. You probably follow her on her wonderful YouTube channel, Dr. Boz. She's going to be on the challenge. We have some other, other special guests too that I'm not going to announce. But those are the, th- the three confirmed that I'll share with you today. We are also going to be giving away over $10,000 in free prizes from supplements to a one-year membership to our signature course, the Keto Camp Academy, to exogenous ketones, and a lot of stuff. The challenge is completely free. All you need to do is head over to Camp challenge.com. Remember, campus bell with a K. Ketocampchallenge.com. You can see the details and then sign up. There is an option to upgrade your membership and uh, you can do that if you want, but if not, it's completely free 7 days. We'll take a deep dive together. We'll drop that link down below as well. I am so pumped up. This is going to be our best one yet, by the way. Okay, let's talk all things thyroid with Dr. Amy. Dr. Amy Horniman, DCN MCN CFMP is also known as the Thyroid Fixer. She's a woman on a mission to optimize thyroid patients around the world and give them their lives back using her transformation program, the Complete Thyroid Fix Method. After her own experiences of insufferable symptoms, misdiagnosis, and improper treatment, which you're gonna hear about, Amy set out to help others who she knew were going through the same set of frustrations. And who are on the same medical roller coaster? Here is Dr. Amy Horniman. Dr. Amy Horniman, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast.
1: Hey, Ben. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Absolutely. I was just on your show. It was an amazing episode. We'll put a link for it in the podcast notes. And there's a lot of synchronicity between what you're teaching your community, what I'm teaching my community. So I'm excited to now bring you on my show and talk all things thyroid, keto, fasting, and we'll get into some other topics as well. You have a very fascinating backstory. Uh, You were prepping for a figure competition and you're actually gaining weight and experiencing some health issues. So let's start right there. What exactly happened back then?
1: Yeah, so I was I was competing an NPC figure, which for those of you who don't know, you have to basically diet down and stand on stage in a bikini. And I, I was doing fitness modeling at the time too. So each time I would get ready for whether it was a photo shoot or to step on stage, I would diet down. I never walked around like a teeny tiny little itty bitty thing. We have obesity and diabetes in my family. So I always had to work at it, but I knew what to do. I knew it worked for my body because I had done it many, many times before. And this one particular show, I started gaining weight instead of losing. Now mind you, I'm eating the, the broccoli and the asparagus and the fish and the chicken and going to the gym once if not twice a day. And the scale kept going up. And I knew, I mean, you know your body, right? Everybody knows their body. You know when your body is off. And I knew something was not right. And I was tired and my hair was falling out. So I went to a doctor because that's what we do. And we go, you know, this is going on. What's going on? I, I, I need answers. I shouldn't be gaining weight like this. This is the diet that I'm doing. Here's my exercise regimen. And I was told that I was fine. Everything's normal. Just eat less and exercise more. And I went, "Um, I don't think I can eat less and exercise more than I already am. Are you not listening to me? This is my diet. This is what I'm doing right now. So six doctors later, six misdiagnoses later, being told that I'm fine and I'm normal, the one doctor actually gives me a diagnosis. You have hypothyroidism. Great. Awesome. Now I'm going to get a pill that's finally going to make me lose this weight. So I was all excited just as most people are when they get the diagnosis and I started on this medication for about five months, no change, nothing, zero. So I started doing a little bit of research on like, I think like at the time it was like a big old gateway computer. You know, we didn't have our phones to be like, why am I gaining weight? So I do some research and I go back to the doctor and I say, Hey, you know what? There's with thyroid, you know, there's two hormones and there's this one, there's that one. And and, and there's other medications and there's other treatments. Like, can we do something different? She goes, no, I don't do that. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm not living this way. So I'm going to find somebody who does. And that's what led me into functional medicine, which totally changed my career trajectory because my functional medicine doctor that saved my life and did things the right way and optimized me. It became my mentor and guided me down the path that I'm on right now And because I knew back then, I knew if I'm dealing with this, if if I'm this frustrated, and I at least had the drive to keep going after the first, and the second, and the third, and the fourth, oh, you're fine, everything's normal. I knew it wasn't, and I wasn't taking their answer as gold, so I kept going, but I thought to myself, how many people go, well, my doctor said I'm fine, so mm, I must learn to just live with it then. And, And no, so this is why I wanted to be in this space helping people because you don't have to be frustrated. You don't have to give up. You don't have to resign to what your doctor tells you. There are definitely answers just like I found mine.
0: So common, I, Amy. Yes, it happens all the time, and people are not aware that they have different options, and there's ways to actually find a solution and get to the cause, like you did. So, how long, on average, does it take for allopathic medicine, conventional medicine, to diagnose a thyroid disorder?
1: <laughs> if you get diagnosed at all, if, yeah, uh, because they're looking at the big standard lab value range, which is huge. So, instead of the functional optimal range, I mean, I have had people see as many doctors as I have. Six, sometimes ten. Um, I know one woman that saw forty doctors until she got the ultimate diagnosis and answer and guidance and treatment. So it's different for everyone. But the the bottom line is, if you know that something is wrong with your body, you don't stop. You know, we always hear, get a second opinion, get a fifteenth opinion if you have to, and go into the functional space because we're definitely looking at you way differently than conventional medicine is.
0: What are some of the symptoms we should be paying attention to when it comes specifically to a thyroid disorder?
1: Yeah, so that's where you're going to see the, the weight coming on. And just like me, you know, you might do, be doing things properly. I mean, you might even be doing keto and the weight is creeping on or it's not coming off. You're like, wait, I'm doing everything right. It's not coming off. And then the fatigue the hair loss, constipation, think of everything being slow. So hypo is low and slow. Everything is slowed down. So mood, what does that do? Goes down, you're depressed. Energy, down. Metabolism, ability to burn fat, down. Constipation, motility in your gut, down. So everything is low and slow.
0: Yeah, and a lot of people are listening and they're like, wait a minute, I kind of feel that way. So you mentioned it's important to find a functional practitioner who's looking at not the standard reference range, but the functional ranges. It's so common for doctors to just run a TSH, maybe a total T3 and T4. Have you seen one study that shows that TSH has anything to do with thyroid health specifically?
1: There might be studies out there, but they're not right. So (laughs) TSH. TSH, you have to, just let's understand the basic thyroid physiology, the basic body physiology. TSH is thyroid stimulating hormone. It is released by the pituitary gland. So it is not a thyroid hormone. When we check your TSH, we're not checking how much thyroid hormone is in your body because you, you need thyroid hormone to survive. Specifically, you need T3, but we can get into that. You need thyroid hormone to survive. Every single cell on your body, including those in the brain, which is also another symptom, we see low concentration, low mood, low focus, brain fog. Every cell in your body has a receptor site on it for thyroid hormone. So TSH is not measuring thyroid hormone. TSH is kind of, I like to use this analogy, it's the pituitary gland, basically like with feelers. You know, like going, okay, is there enough thyroid hormone out there? Yeah, okay, well, we don't have to say anything to the thyroid then. We're good. I'm happy. But if the if the pituitary puts out its feelers and goes, you know, I, I don't think there's enough thyroid hormone in the body here. We got to do something. TSH gets released. TSH will go up. That's where you see on your blood work high TSH means low thyroid because the pituitary is poking the thyroid gland, being like, dude, wake up and do your job. You're not doing your job at all here. So it's like yelling at your kids. You know, you say something normal the first time, but maybe by the third time, you're starting to get a little bit louder. Like, hey, Johnny, I said five times now to pick up your toe. So that's what TSH is doing. It's getting higher as it senses that there's not enough thyroid medication in the body. But listen, that TSH, That range has been debated for years. It used to go all the way up to 10 and then 4.5, remember high means low. Functional medicine, we say, we'll give you a cutoff of a two. And anything above a two is telling us that your pituitary is starting to kick up and starting to get a little bit angry at the thyroid for not doing its job. So we better look deeper and actually look at the thyroid hormones to get that full picture of what's going on with you.
0: It's similar to the insulin resistance in the in the pancreas. Like if you're looking at a C-peptide and it has really high levels, then it's been burning itself out, if you will, similar to the thyroid. So you heard high TSH means low thyroid hormones. Uh, it's hypo. That's one marker. So we have the pituitary. It stimulates the thyroid to produce thyroid hormones. And then we have the T4 and T3. So explain it from there. Let's Let's complete the whole cycle here.
1: Yep. So then you want to actually look at the thyroid hormones, which are T4 and T3. Your thyroid gland in a healthy state produces those two hormones, produces about roughly, we think, 80% T4 and roughly 20% T3. And with that, we know that T4 is inactive. It's your storage. It just sits there. It doesn't really, it it converts over to T3, but it is not an active form of thyroid hormone. None of your receptor sites on your cells have a receptor site for T4. They only have a receptor site for T3. So that T4 that's in storage must convert over to T3. Now, I always say it's kind of like, it's at a divided path, right? So T4 has two choices in the road. It can go down the reverse T3 route or it can go down the free T3 route. We hope it goes down the free T3 route because that's good. That's what we want. We want that T3 to get to your cell to give you a metabolism and grow your hair and strengthen your nails and give you a good mood and allow you to go to the bathroom on a regular basis. If it converts to reverse T3 instead, that's the anti-thyroid hormone, that's bad. Reverse T3, and I love analogy, so I'll throw in another one, is like a bouncer at the cell door. Arms crossed, looking at all those T3s out there in the crowd going, yeah, you can't come in. Yeah, you're not coming in either. And reverse T3 will literally block T3 from getting into the cell. And you'll hear some people argue that point, but that is the easiest way to understand it. Reverse T3 is, inflammation. Ben, you and I talked about inflammation on my podcast. Inflammation will absolutely impair that cell from picking up anything that it needs, T3 included. So we have to look at all of these markers and we have to look at the Hashimoto markers to see if, if you have antibodies as well, to see if your, your immune system is basically attacking your thyroid gland. We have to look at the free T3, the free T4, reverse T3 and the antibodies to get the entire picture of the health of you and your thyroid gland.
0: It's so important to understand that uh, when we're looking at the reverse T3, I love the analogy of the bodyguard saying no T3, no T3, but allowing the reverse T3 in, and it's blocking the T3 from getting in. And like you said, every cell has a receptor site for the T3 hormone. That means that hormone's pretty damn important for cellular health. Inflammation is one of the root causes of this dysfunction occurring. Hey, Keto Camper, I want to just pause for a second and tell you about my favorite drink for metabolic health. On this podcast, we talk about the importance of metabolic health, metabolic flexibility. Well, this is called Good Idea, and it is a great idea if you are trying to reduce blood sugar and keep your insulin levels in a healthy range. It has zero calories, zero sweeteners, and none of the junk ingredients, and it tastes like a lightly sparkling water. I call it a functional sparkling water because it has been clinically tested and shown to reduce blood sugar spikes after a meal. It contains a blend of amino acids and chromium piclinate. Together, they slow gastric emptying and increase insulin sensitivity, allowing a steady release of glucose in the bloodstream where it can be transferred into the cells for fuel. It also contains zinc and potassium as an added benefit. They hooked you all up with a special coupon code. So, all you need to do is head over to goodidea.us and apply the coupon code BEN, that is B E N at checkout at goodidea.us. I'm going to drop that link in the podcast notes along with the coupon code. All right, let's get back to this episode. A lot of people come to keto because they're insulin resistant or they have type 2 diabetes, which is inflammatory in itself. So what role does insulin resistance play with underactive thyroid?
1: Uh, I see it all the time. I always say I see insulin resistance in about 99% of my thyroid patients Wow! because it goes hand in hand, right? So we know one affects the other and it, it kind of is a back and forth. The thyroid gland is the master the ultimate master gland of all of your trickle-down hormones, insulin is a hormone, it gets affected. So your insulin signaling starts to become off because your thyroid gland is off or you don't have enough thyroid hormone in your body to do the job. But then at the same time, if we are living a lifestyle of high carbs and high sugar and actually causing the insulin resistance or type 2 diabetes by our own choices then we're just making the situation worse because that does produce a ton of inflammation high insulin will interfere with that t4 to t3 conversion so we know that high insulin levels will drive up reverse t3 bad will inflame thyroid Bad will cause the thyroid to not produce enough thyroid hormone, even if it's not a Hashimoto's case. The thyroid gland just, I mean, think about it. If I beat you up every day, would you do a good job at work? No. Inflammation is beating up the thyroid gland, essentially. High insulin causes inflammation that beats up the thyroid gland. So you have this back and forth play between insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, and thyroid function. And it's just both have to be in alignment for things to work properly.
0: So what, you, what I'm hearing, and I agree, following a ketogenic lifestyle with some different, we'll talk about fasting, could be a great way to reverse insulin resistance, reverse diabetes, which could only help the thyroid. But we have some people who go on YouTube University or Dr. Google, and they're like, you cannot do keto if you have an underactive thyroid. What's the truth here?
1: they're They're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Simply put. <laughs> I'm just two words, they're wrong. You now, uh, keto is by far the best way of eating, I'm not going to say diet, the best way of eating for hypothyroid and Hashimoto patients because we know that there is inflammation. We know that you most likely ninety nine percent chance have insulin resistance. I, I said this the other day to someone, Go the PubMed, go to Google Scholar type in keto and, any disease that you want to. Go ahead and type in keto and obesity, keto and diabetes, keto and insulin resistance, keto and Alzheimer. go ahead, type it in, and see what comes up. Because I know I have at least 100 studies saved right now that all show benefit. And I have never seen another way of eating that has that much research behind it beneficial research showing positive changes in human physiology because of this particular way of eating. Think of the power of your food choices that that actually makes it into PubMed as a study, not a drug study. Actually we're saying this way of eating and what you put into your body can change this disease state and hypothyroid is one of them because it improves by taking down that inflammation, you can naturally improve your thyroid production. Now, if you don't have a thyroid, then we're just relying on that medication working, and we certainly don't want you to be walking around with cellular inflammation because then we could throw all the meds in that we want to. If you're inflamed at the cell level, that med's not doing anything. That's why you still can't gain weight even though your doctor keeps increasing your medication. It's because you're still inflamed. You haven't changed the eating portion to match up with what is going on in your body.
0: That is very important, what you just said, because a lot of doctors will look at the blood work and your thyroid hormones might even look optimal in that functional range on the report. But if you have inflammation around your cell membrane and receptor sites then it's like the analogy you gave, you're screaming at your kids, they can't hear you. Thyroid hormone is not being heard and you don't feel good. So that's a good thing to pay attention to how you feel. Are you starting to lose that weight? Is the hair growing back thicker? Are you still having those symptoms even though your blood work looks good? So let's say somebody is listening, their blood work looks good in the functional range, but they're still experiencing all of those symptoms. What would be your next action steps for them?
1: so so then we have to look deeper so if you truly have and, and we test your thyroid and we look you no incidence of Hashimoto's not one single antibody all of your labs are in that functional optimal range then we look deeper and say well what is driving this then we still look at insulin insulin a1c glucose we still look at inflammatory markers i love looking at hormones too Men and women, I see so much, and this is gonna tie back to insulin too. I see so much low testosterone and high estrogen in men these days. It's almost like we are becoming an estrogenic society. And a lot of that has to do with the food that you put into your mouth. Because if you are putting in high carbohydrate, high sugar processed foods, those are highly estrogenic. And the more fat on your body, the more estrogen that's produced. And guys, you don't want high estrogen. You, know, you want that high testosterone to be the man and you know, have a motivation and drive and sex drive and libido and strength and energy, focus. So you want your testosterone levels to be optimal. You don't want high estrogen because you're not a woman. You don't need high estrogen. But it could all come down to the food that you're putting in your body as to what your hormones are doing too. So I just keep digging and looking deeper. I like looking at it all at once. Honestly, when I first see a patient, I say, let's get the full hormone panel, full thyroid panel, insulin, the underlying infections, let's get CBC, CMP, A1C, the whole deal. Let's look at it all so we can get that full picture.
0: So we were talking about the importance of the proper lab work with the right lens looking at the, the ranges. But I also heard you say, which I thought it was a great quote, You are more than just a lab value. What did you mean by that?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, symptoms, right? So it's interesting. I did have this conversation kind of circling back to your question about the optimal lab values. I had this conversation yesterday with someone, and we were kind of talking about, well, pre-T3, if you have somebody that's, let's say, 3.5 or above, that's the optimal cutoff. We like you at 3.5 or above or if you're in the UK, Australia, in the upper quadrant of that range, of that free T3 range, but if you're still suffering with symptoms and you are telling me, listen, but I'm gaining weight, I know my thyroid labs look optimal, even optimal to you as a functional provider, but I'm still gaining weight, I'm not going to discount that. I'm going to listen to you because your symptoms tell me something. So your optimal might be higher than what is showing on paper. I know for me, my optimal is like a five or a six. So if you're looking at the, the free T3 and you're at a 3.5, that might not be your optimal. We might have to go up a little bit in order to optimize you and get your symptoms down. Because I'll, you know, it's about quality of life. I don't care. I mean, yes, I want the paper, the labs to match up with how you feel. But at the end of the day, I want you to have a good life and enjoy it and feel good and not be walking around wondering why you feel like garbage and why you have all these symptoms and and why you may have to make a plan to live with them. No, absolutely not. Don't make that plan. You don't have to live that way. You can live an absolutely wonderful, optimized life feeling good every single day if you want to.
0: Amen. So we talked about the ketogenic lifestyle and I see the importance of it for those who have a thyroid condition, the anti inflammatory benefits. When you do it the right way, clean keto. What about the idea of long term ketosis with an underactive thyroid? Can there be an issue there?
1: So, that topic is really only for my type A people that get sucked down a rabbit hole and they go, I'm going to do keto and there's no way i'm going over 20 carbs ever and i'm going to do it every day month in and month out and so yeah i mean doing that really low 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 carb day after day month after month year after year without a break can lower your free t3 levels now that being said if we're monitoring you if we're using you know supplements medication whatever we're using to optimize your thyroid usually that's not a huge issue because it only lowers it by a tiny little bit. And that's kind of where the naysayers of keto and thyroid come in. But all you do, come out of it every once in a while. Ben, I think you recommend that too. I mean, yeah, you do. You have a book called Keto Flex. There it is in the title. Just break out of ketosis every once in a while. That's all you need to do. I mean, even once a week, have a sweet potato. And that's enough to keep your thyroid gland active and pumping out that T3 if it is pumping out enough or pumping out whatever it is pumping out and then we're replacing it on the other end of what's not there. But yeah, just you come out of it and you're fine. Then you don't have to worry about all the naysayers saying, now don't do keto day after day, year after year. Yeah, I agree.
0: I agree 100%. And what you're referring to, like pumping out T3 thyroid hormone by doing that, we talked about insulin. Of course, insulin in itself, it's not a bad hormone, right? Unless it's very high for long periods of time, insulin resistance will develop. But chronically low levels of insulin, like long-term ketosis and excessive fasting, that's also not good. So by having uh, what I call a keto flux day, we know that actually insulin helps make that hormonal conversion from inactive T4 to T3. So by doing that, every now and then, it could be once a week or once a month, but you, you understand with your unique circumstances, that could make that hormonal conversion. You feel better, you look better, and your thyroid performs better. Is that what you were f- referring to?
1: Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah, breaking out once a, once a week, doing your style of, of keto eating is the way to go with thyroid problems. What about the role
0: of heavy metals? I talk a lot about heavy metals, especially mercury, which I've seen have an affinity for the thyroid. How can heavy metals lead to a thyroid issue?
1: Oh, my goodness. So, specifically, mercury, that all of us, I mean, if you were born in the 60s, 70s, even a little bit in the 80s, you have or had, hopefully, amalgam fillings in your mouth. So, if you look in your mouth and you see silver, you need to listen. <laughs> Those contain mercury, mercury off gases. It does have an affinity for the thyroid, and we know that it crosses the blood brain barrier. So, for thyroid conditions, and I, Ben, I can't tell you how many people this week, because I have this as a question on my intake form do you have fillings? So many people still have them. I see it too. So much. And I said, well, okay, so. We can do everything that I have mapped out. We can do your med change. We can do more labs. We can fix your hormones. We can use HRT. We can fix your diet, supplements, all that. But if you don't get those out, this might not work because that mercury is always, always off-gassing and it's always kind of tinging your thyroid gland. And again, I go back to what I said earlier. If I beat you up on a daily basis, you're not going to be really efficient at your job. So that mercury is literally eating away and causing the thyroid gland to not function properly. And you're, it's doing that every single day. And then long-term, for those of us who come from a family with Alzheimer's like myself, you have to start thinking about that blood-brain barrier. Mercury has crosses the blood-brain barrier, and we know it's tied to dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, all of the neurological aging diseases that we see now.
0: Uh, so important. I, I talk about it a lot and a lot of people are, are surprised to hear that silver fillings are that bad for you, but they really are. I mean, it's estimated that about 55% of each filling contains that supertoxin mercury. I had eight of them, Amy, for 20 plus years in my mouth and I, and I was doing everything right. Keto, fasting, I, I had a CrossFit gym, but I still didn't feel right. And it wasn't until I became aware of the dangers of what was in my mouth, that I got them removed safely. That's important. Find a biological dentist and get them removed safely. And then I did detox to get it out, out of the brain. And I'm still doing detox. It's such a process.
1: It's a long process.
0: Because it's, it goes deep inside the tissues, especially that hypothalamus pituitary, which you already established, kind of controls the thyroid and controls your adrenal glands and controls your organs. So that is a major, a major key. I love that you have that on your intake form. Every health practitioner needs to Ask that question. If you're anything like me, you probably spend some money each month on your supplements. But what if you're still tired and you just don't feel 100% well? Well, there could be a deficiency. What if there was a way to know if you were actually absorbing your supplementation or not absorbing and maybe you're taking too much of something? Well, what I'm bringing you today is a chance to accurately test all of that. In this case, I'm talking about upgraded formulas, upgraded hair test kit and consultation. And once you uncover these hidden deficiencies, you could get rid of these symptoms you might be experiencing that might be affecting your thyroid, adrenals, or much more. Upgraded Formulas is a very cool company. I interviewed Barton Scott, who is the founder and chemical engineer who helps craft all their supplements. And they have this really cool upgraded mineral deficiency analysis. So say goodbye to blood and urine tests, which typically indicate short-term results, hair is the best identifier, and you could get that hair from your head, armpit area, or even pubic area, and you'll receive a consultation with a member of Upgraded Formulas to help discuss your results, and it's very simple. Collect your hair sample, send it in, and get your results fast. We've worked out an exclusive deal, KetoCamp podcast listeners, to receive 10% off your order head to UpgradedFormulas.com, use the coupon code BEN10 at checkout to get your hair mineral kit and any other supplements that you could find on their website. That is UpgradedFormulas.com, use the coupon code BEN10. But it's not only if you've ever had them, because some people never had them and thank God, but if you're mom had it when she gave birth to you. I don't know if you've you've seen the Drash study, but the Drash study showed the amount of mercury in the mom's mouth from silver fillings was proportional to the amount of mercury found in the baby's brain on autopsies. I mean, that's how, how accurate it could get. Isn't that crazy, Amy?
1: That's insane. I have I have read that because when we're talking about autism and the increased rates that we're seeing these days, I mean, that's a key component in addition to many other things, but yeah, mercury in the mom's mouth being passed on.
0: Is there So the website that I I tell people to go to find a biological dentist is iaomt.org. Is there any other resource or is that the same one you would use?
1: Same one. And then, you know, sometimes I just tell people, Google, you have biological dentists in your area. And and kind of circling back, because I really want your listeners and then my patients that are going to listen to this to hear this, think about how they took out your mercury fillings. It's basically a hazmat suit with like... Mega vacuums for the gas that the process alone should tell you how toxic those things are sitting in your mouth on a daily basis.
0: Mm. And that's that's the way it should look like if they remove it safely. If you don't, yes, yeah, you don't want to go to a dentist that's just like, yeah, I could remove them and you don't see a hazmat scene. Don't <laughs> do it because that, that'll, that'll expose you to mercury <laughs> even more as it off gas as they remove it. Uh, even the bottle before they even put it into the person's mouth. On the bottle, it has the skull and crossbones and it says, this is dangerous, do not ingest. But yet, it's not safe on the dental tray and then it's safe in your mouth. How does that make any sense? Their argument is that, oh, we've done blood tests on people after they have them and we don't see high levels of mercury. Well, of course, because that's acute toxicity. We're talking about chronic and the constant off-gassing. So I'm so glad you you mentioned that because the thyroid, you could get only so far with everything we're speaking about, but if you have that toxicity interference, it's going to be almost impossible to get to that point you want to get to.
1: Yep. I agree.
0: So let's talk about fasting. Uh, That's another myth out there. (laughs) I know you love fasting, but why are people saying you can't fast with the thyroid issue? And how would you recommend using fasting for the thyroid?
1: Yeah, so when we're talking about the thyroid, we have to take into account the adrenal glands and cortisol production. And I think the whole adrenal fatigue gets blown out of the water a little bit too much, especially on Dr. Google and in thyroid forums, people over-focus on the adrenals, but we do have to think about stress on the body and how it's going to affect your cortisol production. And cortisol needs T3, T3 needs cortisol. So we take that into account. And with fasting, I love it. It's Again, it's one of those, you can't, deny the benefits because the research is out there on the multitude of benefits that fasting provides for the body i always just say when people ask me well should i fast i go do it naturally so if you wake up and you are not hungry do not shove food down your mouth just because somewhere in the 90s you read in a fitness magazine that you should eat every two hours to keep your metabolism up, so do, yeah, and breakfast is not the most important meal of the day. I think, oh my gosh, you have you have a video and a podcast up where you put something. Breakfast is the, the dumbest worst meal, meal
0: of, the dumbest meal of the day.
1: The Dumbest meal yeah. of the day. I love that. I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. So if you wake up and you are not hungry, do not eat. Listen to your body. But here's the thing. Especially ladies, you know, our hormones are fluctuating even post menopause. You still have hormones and they still fluctuate. And you will have those days. And maybe it's a day that you didn't get enough sleep, or maybe, you know, you went and you had, you know, you, you broke your ketosis and you had a little treat at night, or your hormones are just fluctuating. And when you wake up hungry, And you go, you know, it's 6 a.m. And I don't know, I don't know why I feel this way, but man, I'm a little bit hungry. That is a day to not fast. Just listen to your body because your body gives you signals all the time. It's our choice whether to listen to them or not. So if you are truly hungry and tap into that too, take a moment and say, and usually with breakfast, you know, take a moment and say, am I really hungry? Or am I just like, just so used to eating breakfast that I want to put something in my mouth? But no, if you are truly hungry, don't be locked into today was going to be my sixteen eight fast and I said I was going to do it, so I have to do it. By pushing past your own body's hunger signals, you are going to add on to that stress load because fasting is a stress, but it's a good stress. But when you override it, then we kind of get into the, the cortisol issue a little bit and how it affects the thyroid So just do it naturally by listening to your body. And that can go throughout the day too. So I I always talk about breakfast and being hungry in the morning, but that also applies to, are you truly hungry at lunch? If I'm having a busy day, honestly, I don't even notice that I'm hungry and I just end up fasting through the day. So I might just drop in an eight hour fast midday. I had something, something in the morning, and then I drop in an eight hour fast because like, even right now, if you ask me, am I hungry? No, I'm not. I'm fine. I'm not hungry at all. And I know that because I'm tuned into my body. Even if it was a a habit for me to eat at this particular time, I would stop. I would go, okay, well, I usually eat now. I usually grab something right now before I keep going for the day. Am I hungry? No. Okay. I'm not going to eat then.
0: I love it. You you uh, speak it well, and I love the the idea of varying it up. Some days you'll fast. Some days you won't. You listen to your body. I agree with that 100%, and it's going to be different the way you fast if you're a woman, cycling versus postmenopausal versus a man. Men could be a little bit more aggressive, I've seen with fasting versus women. But if you had a poor night of sleep, men or female, uh, you probably don't want to do too much fasting because that's going to already be in a stressful state. Like you mentioned, fasting is already a stress and it just could be too much for your body to adapt to. So listen to your body. On busy days, if I'm speaking on stage or if I'm going through all these interviews, I'm going to stay fasted because I feel really good and I don't want to spend time eating a meal, right? That's the way I listen to my body. But if it's like a Sunday and it's just like a study day, I'll probably have three meals and not fast, right? It's the variation to your point. You mentioned before in one of your interviews, I was studying you that you should focus on what you can control. What what did you mean by that?
1: So I I always live by the 80-20 rule, right? 80% you can control, 20% you can't control. And in that 20%, there's going to be things that you choose not to control. So the 80% that you can control, you can control your choices and what you put into your mouth, right? You can control the products that you use on your body. So when we're talking about kind of tying into heavy metals, but then other toxins and endocrine disruptors, I said, we see men with high estrogen now, there's a lot of xeno, fake estrogens in our world. So we can choose whether we buy the lotion from Bath and Body Works, or whether we buy the organic paraben-free, you know, well, I don't even know a company. There's so many of them out there. But that's the point. There's so many of them out there. There's no excuse to not change over. So you can control that 80%. 20% that you can't control. Listen, if you're on the road and you need to grab a water, I, I mean, I've traveled a lot. I've driven a lot. I have thought that many like rest stops and truck stops and whatever, they don't have that pretty little boxed up in cardboard water. They have plastic and I'm thirsty. So I'm going to buy the plastic water bottle as opposed to dehydrate on my trip. There are things that you can't control. Sometimes I do grab the receipts and receipts are full of PBAs. Plastics are full of PBAs so, or BPAs, I'm switching around, BPAs, which are very estrogenic. So there's a, that portion that you can't control. And then the part that you might choose not con- to control. Ladies, I don't know about you, but um, I'm going to be getting my hair colored till the day that I die. So I'm not going au natural there. That is part of my 20%. Whatever chemicals are in it, they're going on. I can try as natural as possible, but I've seen the same girl for 25 years. That's part of my 20% that I choose not to, but it's very, very slim my my exposure to toxins very limited down because of everything that i changed over here
0: you're not going to be perfect. And if you try to be perfect, you're just going to be at a standstill, right? So yeah. I love that mindset. And somebody can make the argument that those toxins or products of plastic water bottles could act as a hermetic benefit to your body. It forces it to adapt, right? So small amounts could be beneficial, but we don't want to go higher. But if your stress bucket is super high, you got to be really diligent with el- start to eliminate these things one at a time Blood sugar regulation, we talked about that, insulin resistance. I saw a video on your YouTube channel about you loving the benefits of berberine. I also love berberine as well. So we talk about it often on the KetoCam podcast as a great way to reduce excess glucose. So why do you love berberine? How can it support a ketogenic lifestyle? And what exactly does berberine do when you take it?
1: Yeah, so berberine, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. It has, again, it's kind of like keto, where when you jump into PubMed and start looking at it, you go, wow, they've been studying this in a physiological, biological realm of how it affects the body. And it's just amazing. So the main point of, of berberine is working like metformin, the type two diabetic drug at lowering A1C and insulin levels. So I always, in explaining it to the general population or to my patients, I always say when you are eating the way that you're eating, usually coming in with a standard American diet, sad American diet, they're on a roller coaster. As you know, spiking blood sugar, spiking insulin, going high, dropping low. Now you're on the low and now you're hangry and you're irritable and your blood sugar drops. So you go and you you crave, your body craves. It gives you those signals to go eat carbs and sugar. So you come back up and you're on this roller coaster where berberine comes in and it takes those highs and lows in addition to your lifestyle and food choices because you can't override bad choices, it takes those highs and lows and squishes them. So now you're on a wave-like pattern. Now you don't get those really steep highs where you're storing fat. You're not in those deep lows where you're hangry. Now you're more, oh yeah, you're just kind of going with the wave and you're nice and chill and no big cravings and no, no big pushes to go to the vending machine because your body's not giving you that signal. So berberine does that. And then it also has beneficial effects on the gut microbiota. So we do see improvements in the gut. The one thing to keep in mind, whenever you start berberine, very similar to metformin, you can get a a GI effect. So you can get a little bit of nausea, a little bit of diarrhea. That is not a bad signal. That is a signal to you that there's something going on in your gut. Maybe you have to back off on the dose and work your way up but keep going with it because it's actually changing the microbiota and it's changing your your bacteria and your gut and and helping to balance it out in addition to other gut protocols that you might be doing, but it's actually very beneficial to the GI tract. So I love berberine. I actually, we we might've talked about this on my podcast, but I'll bring it up here. The study that I had published with a colleague, it was a case study and it took one of my patients, that was insulin dependent diabetic and he had went into the hospital because he knew the signs that he was having signs and symptoms and he went into the hospital and he wasn't diagnosed prior but with a blood sugar of 630 and an a1c of 13.9 they sent him on his way with some insulin so he was now an insulin dependent diabetic found me called me said please you have to get me off insulin i do not want to be on it the rest of my life i need to get this under control I said, okay, well, you know, let's give it some time, right? Because this is going to take a little while. I never anticipated his quick progress. So the title of the, I forget the actual title, but it is the ketogenic diet with berberine reversing insulin-dependent diabetes, actually reversing diabetes. So in six weeks, his A1C went from a 13.9 to an 8.4 And in six months, his A1C went from a 13.9 to a 5.4. Totally, we got him off insulin in six weeks, reverses diabetes in six months using keto and berberine. Boom, done.
0: Take that, American Diabetes Association. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I I love that. Yeah, I love berberine as well. I I use the dihydro one, which um, will help with those stomach issues because it makes the conversion for you versus your gut. So I I love it as well. I usually have them on on my flex, my higher carb days, not on a typical keto day. So that's amazing. I love hearing testimonials like that, Amy. That's absolutely incredible. Keto, fasting, everything we're speaking about allows your body to do its job of healing. The body is built to heal. So I love that you teach that. Stress is a common factor that affects everyone in today's fast-paced world, leading to various health issues, including heart problems, inflammation, obesity, and mental illness, While most people focus on finding relief through meditation or trips to the spa, what if the root cause of stress is actually a deficiency in a key nutrient? Introducing Magnesium Breakthrough, the ultimate magnesium supplement that offers the full spectrum of all seven types of magnesium, specially formulated to reach every tissue in your body for maximum health benefits. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could be causing a multitude of health problems. But what sets magnesium breakthrough apart is its ability to impact the release of stress hormones like cortisol and block the activity of more stimulating neurotransmitters leading to a more peaceful and restful state. This means that this supplement acts like a break on your body's nervous system, helping to calm and soothe promoting a better quality of life. Simply go to magbreakthrough.com slash ketocamp, get 10% off magnesium breakthrough with the coupon code KETOCAMP10. And for a limited time, only if you buy three bottles, you can get exciting gifts with purchases like blue light blocking glasses and more. This is a limited time offer for select orders. So KetoCamper, what are you waiting for? Go to magbreakthrough.com slash keto camp. Make sure you use the code keto camp10 at checkout. We'll drop that info down below in the podcast notes. Final question here. What are three action steps that the keto campers could take based off of this conversation?
1: So let's say you are in the keto camp and you're just kind of wondering, like, wait, why why isn't my weight coming off like it should be? Why aren't I getting that progress? Let's get a full thyroid panel, especially if you have some fatigue. Maybe your your brain fog isn't clearing like it really, really should be doing keto. So let's get that full thyroid panel, TSH, free T3, free T4, reverse T3, and the two antibodies to get that picture of what your thyroid's doing. And from there, you want to look at it from a functional perspective. So you want to look at the functional optimal ranges or work with someone in the functional space that does thyroid, but let's get that full picture. So that would be part one. Number two, I always say both and, it's both and. So you, if you're in the keto camp, listen, you got that part down. You have the nutrition in which you're putting in your body, you have that part down. Now let's get the thyroid and hormones balanced over here so we can do the both and. Because when you do both and, you get more bang for your buck. I could fix your thyroid all day, balance out your hormones to a T, and if you're eating McDonald's, it's not gonna work. Same time, if you're walking around with an undiagnosed thyroid problem, or your hormones are all out of whack, and you're a guy with low testosterone, high estrogen, you can be doing the perfect nutrition planner. you can be doing keto, and you might not see the reason. You, you're gonna see some results for sure, but you might not see them all if we do the both and. So doing the both and is is part two. And then number three, can I throw in something that we didn't talk about? Sleep.
0: Sleep. Yes, please.
1: You and I talked about it on my podcast. It's so important, but it's so overlooked. I mean, people just blow it off. Like, oh yeah, I sleep. Oh yeah, how much? Baba, I, get, I get five hours. I'm good with that. I'm like, no, that's not enough. And you're going to bed at midnight. You're missing that, that restorative sleep time. It's it's going to throw off your insulin. That's one reason why you might wake up hungry. By the way,
0: no, I, I, you're so right. So sleep is is the foundation of, of health, and you could do keto fasting perfectly, but if you don't get good sleep, it's not going to work. Your hormones are going to be wonky. You're going to feel like crap. So those are fantastic tips. Number one, get a full thyroid panel, look at it from a functional lens, or have somebody look at it for you with you uh, with the functional lens, and in combination. As you're optimizing your hormones, you're fixing your nutrition with keto and fasting. And number three, your sleep, which is going to impact your mental health and your emotional health and your resilience. So that's very important right now more than ever. Amy, if somebody is listening, they want to work with you or learn more about you, where can they go check you out?
1: Yep. The best way is on my website, dramyhornerman.com. And if you're interested in learning more, you can always book a discovery call and then we can go over the different services and how I work with patients and go from there. And then obviously the Thyroid Fixer podcast that you are on is another great place to get information.
0: Awesome, we're gonna put links for all of that, your podcast, your YouTube channel, your website, your social media, you have an awesome Instagram in the notes down below. So go click those links, go check her out, reach out to her if you want her to be that person to help you with your labs. She obviously knows what she's speaking about and she's making a big difference in her community. Amy, thank you for what you're doing, how you show up in this world. I'm grateful for the collaboration. I look forward to many more. And let's just keep getting the message out there and educating the world.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Ben.
0: I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Amy. We're going to put her website, her social media, everything mentioned on today's episode could be found right now in the podcast notes. We do a great job. Rachel on our team puts it all together for you. So go check that out. Go reach out to her. I really hope you have a better understanding and you're more empowered to overcome a thyroid diagnosis or be proactive so you're never experiencing a thyroid diagnosis. Please text this episode to a friend, somebody you know who's dealing with thyroid issues. This can make a big difference for them. You could simply just hit copy link and paste that link into a text message to a friend or somebody you know who could get value from this conversation. If this was valuable, please consider leaving the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts as that really makes a big difference for the show. I want to thank you so much for pressing play again and listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. If you missed any previous episodes, now is the time to go back to our catalog, and we are committed to releasing two to three brand new episodes on the show every single week. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you on the next episode.